0: Hey everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction and it's been so long since we've been on a microphone so everyone please be nice to us as we make our way back to this podcast um and we are coming back from our summer spring break um, with a very special episode, which is my birthday episode. Beep, 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 Woo! Beep! Wow! Thank you so much. In case you missed um, Brenna and Nick's birthday episodes, which if you did, you should go back and listen. They are very good episodes. But in case you missed them and you don't know how uh, the birthday episodes work this year, the birthday host gets to pick three fan works um, of their choice. Generally, we have done two fics and one not quite fic. Um, and additionally, we have a guest of the pod on um, to talk about one of the works. So I guess without further ado, I'll just say what I'm bringing and our guest. Yeah. Okay. The first fan work I'm bringing is Le Cirque des Souvenirs by a lot of people. Hold on. Airgead <clears throat> SLV, Compass Rose, Elgibel Epaulettes, KitKat50311. Mahon's undine minipods and CC rambles, um, otherwise known as the sentient hive. Um, that is probably how we are going to refer to them um, in that discussion because that's a lot of names. It is an interactive fiction playable game podfic work. Um, we will get more into the details during that discussion, but we will also be joined by guest of the pod, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. Um, and the other two fics that I am bringing are. Gone to Ground by Marionettes. Oh, I didn't say what the first work was for. The first work is for the Fandom the Night Circus. Okay, great. (laughs) Um, The second work I'm bringing is Gone to Ground by Marionettes. Um, It is for Fire Emblem Three Houses. It is Felix Sylvain. Obviously, I love them. Um, And the last work I am bringing is If You Would Only Let You by GDGD Baby. It is Wang Yibo Xiao Zhan. Wow. I am rusty at this. <laughs> Shake off the rust. Shake it off. I'm working on it. Put yourself in a little... Um, Rock what are, tumbler. What's they, what,
2: no,
3: what do they oh. use to like, remove rust? Rustolium. <laughs> like a sandblaster,
2: I think. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like a power bad. washer. <laughs>
3: Ooh, sandblasting reeds. Know, would destroy no, them. no, no, Why no. Do You sound so excited. <laughs> I don't know. First if readings, like a statue, it'd be fun.
1: I don't like... That um, I'm gonna yes. be like at the beach with you in like two days. <laughs> like I don't come near you like so. I'm
3: a sandblaster. Me trying to sandblast you at the beach would just be me throwing handfuls yeah. <laughs> of sand at you, <laughs> which like would be unpleasant. And I'm not gonna do it. But like it, it yeah, you know, it's different. gonna it injure verub. you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. So one of the things we have done for the birthday episodes this year. Um, and maybe the only thing we did in the intro, but none of us fully remember, so I don't know. Um, I think it was. Okay. Is uh, we each will pick a like food and or drink pairing to go with each of the fan works that we think sort of fits it or fits the vibe or is somehow connected. And since we are starting with the fan work that guest of the podcast he is here for, um, I figure I'll turn it over to you, Cass. What food and or drink combo did you choose for La Cirque de Souvenirs? I love how I was
2: giving you guys crap about forgetting what you do, and then I didn't do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome a true <laughs> guest wing of the Wing it, wing it, freestyle. <laughs> yep, good start. Can I not go for <laughs> Okay, 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 fine, okay. okay. I'll take okay. pity on you. Uh, Brenna, mm-hmm. you can start us off. Yeah, so my
3: food and drink combo for Le Cirque du Souvenirs was hot apple cider and a like magically really good funnel cake. I feel like funnel cake is one of those things that like I'm always excited to eat it and it smells so amazing, then the actual product is like kind of a letdown, but this time it's like really, really good. You're like, wow, I can't believe this is funnel cake. Mm, Um, It fulfills its promises.
0: mm Mm-hmm. I like that. I thought along similar lines as you, Bren, with carnival food, I picked lemonade and a corn dog. Mm. I don't really have a deep meaning. I just thought that would be a good thing (laughs) to eat like when you walk around the carnival or the fair, if you will. It was always the county fair for me. I don't think I've been to like a traditional carnival, but I think the vibes are similar. I actually did go to a carnival, but it was not on this continent Mm. and it had a different vibe
1: so okay so my first thought was in a similar vein I was like okay I haven't actually really been to that many like fairs or carnivals but like at first I thought very similar to brand I thought like funnel cake but I was like funnel cake is not something like I would actually go for what would I actually go for is like a perfect like chocolate vanilla swirl soft serve with like mm-hmm. rainbow sprinkles um Slaps. and that feels right for a carnival but it didn't really feel necessarily right for this fic so then I kind of changed my mind to like I think a more fitting food for, like, the vibe of this particular circus in this fan work is, like, some kind of, like, pastry with, like, really elaborate and unique flavors or, like, I don't know, like, there's, like, a swirled icing or, like, the pastry is, like, shaped like some motif from the circus. Like, something very specific you would only get there.
3: Mm-hmm. I like that. Like when you get a beignet at Disneyland and it's
1: shaped like Mickey? Yeah, like, exactly. But, like, a, but like a little bit fancier. It's shaped like <laughs> one of
0: the skeleton animals.
1: Ooh. Oh, I love that. I think I myself would still want my chocolate vanilla soft serve because soft serve is so freaking good. But well, maybe maybe that's what the pastry would taste like to you. <gasps> oh my god, it's like Ooh. a magic pastry that tastes like whatever I want it to. Yeah, yeah I love that. Although good. biting into something doughy and then having it taste like like an ice cream might actually be very disconcerting. I didn't say it was a
2: good experience. Okay, now that I now that I've actually had time to think about this. Which I definitely did before when we talked about this. Um, I can't wait to hear what you've been thinking about for this, Cassie. So I feel like for food, um, for the the circus vibes and also the auditory experience, it's got to be popcorn. Because ah. <laughs> like the... um. It would be an uncomfortable soundscape to have in a pod fic, but it would be very distinctive (laughs) to hear someone eating popcorn. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that Mm -hmm. is the correct vibe here of like circus atmosphere that you can hear. Um, And then the drink isn't going to go with popcorn well at all. But I feel like based on something in this fic or this work, there needs to be some sort of drink that you stir with a spoon. Um, So... (laughs) But I'm still imagining that the circus is like outside and it's very hot where I am. So the thought of drinking anything hot is terrible. So mm-hmm. some sort of like iced tea that you need to like stir in like sugar or something. I like that. I think it's good.
0: I'm just imagining someone like foleying a corn dog into perfect. <laughs> no, no. It's really come laugh. oh.
1: <laughs> And Editing why? Read. I have an idea. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> not. I don't even really like corn dogs. You don't have to like it, yeah, but I'd have to eat one if I'm fully. Unless you, just you want don't me to have find to eat
0: me. a corn dog, you just have to make the sound of someone eating a corn dog.
1: Sounds like you're eating a corn dog because
2: there's so many other things that sound like corn dogs <laughs> in the world. There could be.
3: Like I feel like corn dog isn't even like a distinctive sound. It's not. <laughs> it's just like you're eating something.
1: <laughs> hey, I don't want to do that, but thanks for the suggestion. Okay, next time, next time. All right, Fire Emblem Three Houses.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm okay i'll go first everyone i thought of something that you can eat so you can you would certainly would not be replicating the experience of these two guys in the fic because it's harrowing but you would feel a kinship with them if you drank straight vodka and ate bison flank yeah so that's my suggestion for any ficlets who want to get in the mood mm-hmm. while reading this
1: i hated that but thanks <laughs> oh. <laughs> Okay, let me take you on my my thought journey. So like as they're traversing this tundra and Sylvain is trying so hard like not to think about food he wants. He's like obviously thinking about like all the food that he wants. And I kind of like went down a little path that was like, I was thinking about Survivor and how when they have like reward challenges, how people like lose their goddamn minds <laughs> for like foods that are like maybe kind of simple otherwise, but it's like nothing has ever looked better to these people than like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Fair enough. Because all you've been doing is like foraging off the island. So I was like, Okay, if I were on Survivor, I'm not going to put myself in the shoes of Sylvain and Felix because, as Nick said, it's pretty harrowing. But if I was, like, on Survivor, what is the food they could bring out that would make me, like, lose my gourd the most? Um, And I decided, like, really good chicken tenders with, like, honey mustard and fries. Mm. Like, just, like, a proper breaded tender, not a nugget. Um, And then an ice-cold Coke. (laughs) That is what I
0: would want to see Jeff Probst pull out. You lost me at the end, but I like it.
1: Thank you.
3: Yeah, that sounds genuinely incredible read I've, I've thought a lot about season 40 or whatever it was where with all of the um
0: winners at war yeah
3: winners <laughs> at war when they're on the like uh
1: not like exile but the other island yeah, yeah.
3: fancy exile yeah. extreme
1: exile and that one guy was eating peanut butter like with his hands yes
3: <laughs> i think about just a jar of peanut butter <laughs> yeah. like all the time like i'm not even kidding yeah it's so true especially as someone who like likes peanut butter i feel like that would just have been like a deeply like religious experience <laughs> me. for me. Sure. like being on the brink of starvation someone just giving me a jar of peanut butter like i can't even imagine how that would feel <laughs> um i did not go that direction for my food pairing for gone to ground though um i was thinking about just like kind of comfort foods and i was kind of thinking about reed you mentioned like the Redwall food bot mm-hmm. um so I went with, like, just, like, a hearty vegetable and noodle stew with fresh-baked rolls and, like, a cold
1: alcoholic apple cider. Nice. Oh, my God. I love that. A fresh-baked <laughs> roll sounds so freaking good. Wow.
0: Mm-hmm. We all have pretty different food experiences for the ficlets on this one, so...
3: <laughs> <don't> yeah. <look. laughs>
1: We're giving them a range. Whatever is easiest yeah. and yeah. most um enjoyable for them to procure.
3: Cass, do you want to offer
2: uh, a... <laughs> No, I'm just sitting here <laughs> triangulating what this fic is like from you. <laughs> oh, okay, drink pairings.
1: Um. Okay. And for for our last fic, um, if only you would let you. Uh, this is a road trip fic, and recently, Brent and I embarked on a several day road trip. It's actually like very present in my brain, like what foods and drinks are enjoyable to me on a road trip. Um, so I decided a Dutch Bros soda. Um. Oh. also acceptable in its place is um swig or something similar like one of those fancy soda shops in utah and maybe there are other places i don't know but we stopped in utah um that has like a literally like 900 different options of flavors but like dutch bros is the first choice um and then for my food dots pretzels which i tried for the first time a couple months ago and like really really like uh and Brenna and I brought a whole basket worth of snacks. And I think the only things that I ate were saltines the first day because my tummy was unhappy and then Dot's <laughs> pretzels. So um, that, is my, that is my choice for a road trip pick is uh, Dutch Bros and Dot's pretzels. That's nice.
0: I also picked road trip food, but I picked what I get at the gas station as I'm leaving, which is pretty much the same thing every time. Um, one of the only times I have caffeine, I usually get a raspberry iced tea. And Mm. then I get, you know, the bugle chips. Yeah. But the caramel flavor if they have it. And they only really have it at gas stations. You can't really find it other places. So I get those two things and they hang out with me as I drive.
3: I went more for like the setting and vibes of this fic than like the road trip aspect. So I went with like an iced jasmine tea and like bao.
0: Uh, Read and i did like a self insert
3: <laughs> <laughs> well i was just thinking about like what it would be what i'd really like to eat like when they get to each city you know mm. and like there's so many descriptions of them going out for food in this fic and it made me hungry and also like this fic was just so thick in like a really comforting way like kind of like biting into like a really soft squishy bow um it just like had a pillowy cloud like nature <laughs> so that's my justification <laughs>
0: Yeah, absolutely love it.
1: We did it. We've done it. We have gotten through an intro
0: with no problems whatsoever. Now let's all take a moment in silence to send Reed a birthday wish.
3: I did it. Right. It's not if I sent you something bad. I just didn't send you something. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I, I did.
1: I think it really says something that, uh, Nick, you said that. And my instinct was to brace. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't know what vibes what? I was going to receive, but I was afraid of them. How are How are they? Unclear. <laughs> Oh. because i okay we have a thing that we do less frequently these days but the three of us used to try to send neutral good thoughts to k-pop idol kim Young. and every time i would go it's neutral good thought time nick would close their eyes really tight and then make like a concerned face and go well and i was like what i don't know why but like neutral good just prompted you to send something really whack so i'm kind of anticipating that whatever birthday wish you sent me is similar it was probably like
3: hope your shoes don't fall
0: off <laughs> <laughs> was
1: like, that do you want be- to know what it was <laughs> yeah sure i sent get
0: dunked on yeah <laughs> that's
2: also trash. wow because it implies that you're
0: having fun playing basketball with your friends
2: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> is that what that implies <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: have fun balling on your birthday
3: that's so different have fun balling on your birthday is <laughs> so different than get dunked on
0: well i tried to do like a show don't tell
3: It didn't work. (laughs) This podcast is a performance of our own clownery. Let's go to the circus.
1: (laughs) So our first fan work for this episode is Le Cirque des Souvenirs um, by many people who I listed in the intro, but who are collectively known as the Sentient Hive. The sentient hive, according to their Ao3 collection, is um, a fan recreating creating collective that came together in um, podfic fests in 2020 and make what are described as interactive fiction or playable narratives with varying levels of gamification. This particular interactive fiction game podfic uh, is for the fandom The Night Circus by Erin Morgenstern. I know literally nothing about this fandom. I did not do a single Wikipedia search. I just went, I'm in. Let's play this game. Um the two characters that are tagged are Poppet and Widget Murray. Um and in this game you play as H. That is the only name that you really get. Um it's a first person POV and you are at the Night Circus experiencing all of the different things it has to offer. The format of the game um it is hosted off of AO3. You can also read and listen to this on AO3, but I think it works better if you click out to their sort of itch.io link. Um, It has a lot of really beautiful artwork and sort of the main hub is a map of the circus and you can click on different tents and there are seven different tents uh, that you can explore. Um, It's text-based with um, a lot of soundscaping and each of the different tents has a little trinket that you find sort of hidden within the text um, that gives you some more information about H and sort of their history and whatnot. The only content warning I would give for this fan work is sort of um parental death it is in the past it happened um when the narrator was very little um and there's not really like ruminations on grief but um her mother's death like does center in the plot sort of of this fic or at least like the subplot of this fic so just know that when i was thinking about um what i wanted to do for my birthday episode before i had even picked a single fan work i was like Hey, Cassie, would you like to be the guest on my birthday episode? (laughs) Um, From the moment that we sort of as hosts discussed having guests, I was like, I want Cassie on the pod. If you have been here since the beginning, you will know that Cassie was our OG friend of the pod. Um, Shout out. Living legend.
0: (laughs) gourd archivist, among other things.
1: Yeah. I'd been playing around with the idea of some fix in fandoms that i know we all share like with cassie um but then i was thinking the four of us have done pod together with cassie uh for the past couple of years um we are sort of well versed in making niche little collaborative audio something works and so i thought that for my one less traditional fan work for my birthday episode it would be fun to have cass on for this specifically um to sort of talk about what it is like making collaborative fiction I thought she would have like some good perspectives um, and also just like, I know that you're Cassic, like, you're familiar with like the sentient hive and this sort of a thing. And so, yeah, that was sort of my thought process in picking this and having Cass come on for this particular discussion. As I turn it over to my co-hosts and guest hosts to hear their thoughts, I will also say I don't know anything about the Night Circus, but Cassie does. So Cassie, I'm excited for you to educate the ficklets on what they might need or want to know about this canon.
3: And us. The thick looks, um, but also us. Great news.
2: (laughs) I read The Night Circus like six years ago and didn't really remember most of it until 30 minutes before we started recording when I was like, no, I am too curious about this to just leave it as like, I think there's references to canon in here. And so I... whatever, it's fine. I... um... (laughs) Tried to check out the ebook on Libby, which I did succeed at, but I forgot that you can't copy text from Libby. And my plan was to like copy bits, and I was like, uh, fine. So I went and found a mm, less legal <laughs> copy of it online. Which I don't <laughs> feel bad about because I actually own a copy of this book somewhere. Some I, I did at one point. Do I still own it? Unclear. But um yeah. And I sort of like looked for a couple of the names that showed up in the podfic. Um, cause I was like, I cannot just try to skim this book. This is not happening. (laughs) Um, and I figured out who the relevant characters were and just like searched their name. And as I was going through and like taking notes, I was like, Oh shit, this is another thing I completely forgot about. Now I remember this. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I think, uh, obviously from this, I didn't really remember anything about the night circus except the general vibes when I played this. And I feel like that was fine actually. So I feel like the only thing I really have to say about canon that isn't like specific little references that they dropped in is just like, if you look at this game, you will get the vibe of the book. (laughs) It is like very sort of like whimsical and beautiful, but in kind of a strange way. And like, there is more of a story to the book than I remembered, but a lot of the things I remembered from it were just sort of like the vibes of the circus and all the descriptions and the really like lush details and stuff from it, which I think are what's important about it in this fan work anyway. So.
3: Yeah, I really did not know much about The Night Circus. I feel like I've gotten a general vibe via being on Book Talk, where Erin Morgenstern is a relatively popular writer, um, but I have not read anything that she's written. Sorry, Erin. Maybe one day. Um, <laughs> you definitely listen to, to our this. podcast.
0: <laughs> Huge
3: fan. Um, but I think like the you don't really need to know anything to still enjoy this fan work as an experience. Um yeah, and I thought it was really cool. I really enjoyed this one. I think I agree with um Reed that it's definitely worth playing it on the like itch dot io itchy Um I say website. itch.io in my
1: head, like I don't know. Yeah.
3: <laughs> um, versus on AO3, like it definitely adds to the experience um to have the graphics and everything. I just really enjoyed it. It made it feel a lot more like interactive and up to the sort of like gamified experience of it as a fic um i think something that we've talked about before because we did discuss another work by the same uh like pod fic collective um which was the eldritch detective one we talked about i think a couple of years ago now um something that we've definitely talked about appreciating from this group of people is their work at like sort of soundscaping and adding in background sounds to their fix and that's something that I hadn't experienced basically since we did Eldritch Detective I also don't listen to a lot of podfix, so that's like no shame on the podfix community it was just like nice to experience it again um cuz it's also like not in like the audiobooks and stuff that I'm listening to all the time um but it just made it feel super immersive and definitely up the sort of like vibes aspect of this fan work which I think probably goes along nicely with the canon material um since i'm i get the feeling that it's pretty vibes heavy both from what Cass has said and what i've seen people on book talk say about these books um so yeah i had a really good time i'm excited to like talk about more of like what happens as you play through the game
0: yes i have never been kind of a lonely motherless person (laughs) at the carnival before so this fic gave me an opportunity to experience that. (laughs) That was like almost a normal thought in my head before I said it out loud.
2: Spoiler alert, it wasn't.
0: (laughs) No. Uh, You know, a a fun experience. I think with a playable game, Reed really likes self-insert, as we know, from this and from the um, Wang Xian Twitter thread fic that you brought last year.
1: Yeah, that's how we got um, Sangria Joe exactly (laughs) I'm sorry I (laughs) made I made Brendan spit out her drink no I saved it but it was a close (laughs) call
3: I thought it was a safe time to take a sip and it wasn't (laughs)
1: I didn't know you had such strong feelings uh, about Sangria Joe. I've missed it. And, what are you and Pancake about? Man Dan? Yes. Pancake Man Dan. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Pancake Man Dan and Sangria <laughs> Joe are a love story for the ages and <laughs> I've missed them.
0: I agree wholeheartedly. Um yes. Anyway, I don't know, it's fun to like I am a gamer, hashtag gaming. Uh, but I don't play games that require you to fight people usually. And so this one didn't, and I loved that. Much more up my alley. Um, I described it in pre-discussion kind of like a pop-up book more than a video game. Like you go through and it kind of expands out into new sections and you get to read a little bit more and get more context. Um, But if when you popped it open, it like detaches and you put it in your pocket and then you like take it with you. So I guess like just finding stuff on the ground. Same thing. (laughs) Anyway, I had fun. (laughs) Wow, I'm getting back in the zone as a FitClick host. This is amazing.
2: It's like... I don't know if any of you guys ever had, like, the Dragonology book when you were younger. like you yes, know, I had things. Dragonology yeah, I and Egyptology. English. But, like,
0: it's, yeah. it's
2: that <laughs> <Literally>, actually <laughs> a book where it has little bits you can take out and put in your pocket.
0: So true. That's so true. Yeah, I had so many of yeah. those when I was young. Wow, good times. Yeah. So that was fun. And then also, yeah, just like recalling times that we as a collective have created audio works that feel almost more like audio drama than an audio book, especially when you're constructing the writing at the same time as well. So it's just a cool thing. It's cool. I feel like what the Sentient Hive does is such just like a delightfully fanish experience of a bunch of people getting excited about something together and making something really cool and not really worrying about the boundaries of like what is or is not Um marketable or um quote unquote normal like just do something fun figure it out as you go and then do more cool things with all the skills that you've garnered and the people that you collected along the way so love that
1: yeah um yeah as bren mentioned we have done one other sentient hive work on the pod and it was eldritch detective and that one i think definitely had more of a gamified aspect or like more branching paths this one as we discovered um there is one path and if you can't you have to be you have to be on it um, you can visit the tents in any order you desire, but if you try to leave the circus before you visited all of them, the game is like, ah, 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 go back. And then, spoilers, you actually never leave the circus. Um, yeah, when I was picking, um, my fix and fan works for this episode, I, when I was thinking about something I wanted to do that was like a, l- a little bit less traditional fic, I immediately thought about some sort of playable game because we know that we love Reed's Video Game Corner. Um, but something like Eldritch Detective or the other works that they have up are, very involved and take many, many, many hours. Um, and as fun and cool as I think they are, uh, that felt a little bit daunting, um, both to like have a guest on and then also to talk about two other fix, and then also just for our first episode back in several months. Um, so I thought maybe like video game light felt like the way to ease in, but that makes this like no less impressive. Um, yeah, as I think Brent said, but one of you said like the, just the work that this group does is Absolutely incredible. Um, I continue to be just blown away by the amount of effort that goes in, not just the voice acting, but yeah, the soundscaping, all of the um, little like art elements that are included. So not just the circus map, but that every tent you visit has its own individual art in this like gorgeous art style. Um, The four of us are definitely accustomed to making things, uh, as Nick was saying, for the joy of fandom. And not because you think it will launch you into untold BNF popular heights. Um, We're already there, baby. Everybody knows about the
0: Fit Click hosts. Yeah.
2: Well, I meant our (laughs) podcast. Everyone definitely knows about our D&D OC lesbians. (laughs) i don't know what you're talking about yeah,
0: as they should and if you
3: don't like you, you like now's your time now Stop it's your time. time right
0: now to this i see reed's hidden
3: agenda picking a thick and bringing Cass on so we could actually market <laughs> our own work
1: well okay originally i was like oh this will be great because we'll all be in the midst of pod together but we did just have to drop out of pod together because all of us are too busy but we had a banger idea yeah. that i hope we return to and i think would be very fun but yeah, last year our pod together was not just like DD OC lesbians, but like a fake podcast for a fake fic about these DD OC lesbians. It really, um, mm-hmm. that was for the joy of creation and ourselves <laughs> than it was for anything else. So I it feel, even great. though like, um, no offense to all of us, uh, even though I think our works are not necessarily on the level that the sentient hive has put into this game, I do feel camaraderie I with them. Well, I was just saying that I do feel camaraderie with them, even though you're maybe our into executions are capitalism, different. Capitalism,
0: hustle culture, <laughs> self commodification.
1: Okay. I feel like I should put a limit on how many times you're allowed to be mean to me in my own birthday episode. But that wasn't mean. I'm stating a fact. It's a little bit combative.
0: Reed, I think you're doing a great job. posting <laughs> <laughs> so FitClick. click.
3: Wow, the sincerity is blowing me away today. You can really feel it. You can.
2: Also, we did talk about the idea of doing some sort of like interactive thing for Pod Together one year, and then we were like, "That's a lot of work, actually." Uh, (laughs) What if we did an easier version? The sheer logistics.
0: I can't imagine being in charge of a sentient hive project. Are you kidding me? Hey, everyone, here's five million moving parts. Even this simple one, there's so much. Everyone's like recording different things. They're soundscaping. The art needs to match up. It needs to like be cohesive and not have continuity errors or confusion there. Someone has to code it. Hello? Wild. It's so impressive to me.
2: I've heard a little bit about it from Minna, And yeah, it's every time I'm like,
1: this is so intimidating. Yeah, Cass, something that I thought was interesting when we were talking about in pre-discussion is um, you were saying that like, Podfake is a fairly small community, and the longer that you're in it, the more familiar you become with people. And, like, I recognize, like, one or two voices listening to this, but you said you recognized a bunch. And that kind of, like, added to that feeling that, like, H, the narrator, had as, like, a, oh, this, this circus is new, but somewhat familiar. And you also were like, this fan work is new, but somewhat familiar.
2: Yeah, extremely. I mean, I have played two other SantiA Hive games fan works whatever um so I'm sure some of it is just that but yeah going through like listening to it not even just looking at the people I was like oh I know who this is oh I was on a voice team team with this person oh this is Minna. oh (laughs) (laughs) I was in a multi-voice with this other person and yeah it did I didn't really like think about it until we started talking about it but there was definitely a sense of like This is familiar, even though I don't know what's going on at all. Like, I I do feel comfortable with these people somehow, even though I don't know anything about these characters or these weird places, which was cool. It was like an added thing to experience a little bit, I think.
0: Yeah, it's like walking through a town as a ghost and some of the people are calling your name, but they can't see you.
2: But you're like, hello, excuse me. Well, I felt like it was comforting and that does not sound comforting to me. (laughs) It could be. You know, it depends on your philosophy around your ghosts,
3: own. I guess,
0: and walking alone.
3: Yeah, I mean, to Nick's point, maybe we should talk a little bit about what happens in this <laughs> yeah, fan yeah, work. probably. <laughs> um, which, I mean, th- honestly, isn't that dissimilar from walking through a town with ghosts? <laughs> um, but I do agree that that sounds more ominous than just, like, recognizing your friends who have participated in this fan work. Um, in this, you as the main character, H., Um, have stumbled upon a mysterious circus at night and you're sort of exploring the different portions that the circus has to offer. It's like you can go to the Clockwork Orrery, you can go to the Buried Treasure, you can go to the Frost Cart, like there's a bunch of different places that you can explore and each one has a different uh, little like kind of two to three minute audio clip that you can listen to and there's also the transcript like the writing of the same thing. Um, so you can listen and read along if you want. But I highly recommend listening because that is one of the things that's so impressive about this work. Um, and in each one, you kind of stumble upon something that's like been hidden there as well. And those pieces all connect back to your uh, late mother's life. And you start to realize that she probably had connections uh, to this circus.
2: Spoiler alert, your mother is a character in the book The Night Circus. And I totally didn't realize that until
1: after looking that <laughs> up today. That makes sense, if I'm honest. I feel like with the level of detail that this group puts into their works, like I have to imagine, as you were saying, Cass, that there's like, a lot of references to canon. It's just that um they are never really doing things in a canon I'm familiar with, so I am just here to vibe and play a little game. Yeah. And I think, too, like... Each of the different sections has its own
0: little vibe. Like, it's very fun. They have the same kind of poetic language. This also is something that impressed me. The fact that, like, it didn't feel like a bunch of different people writing stuff. It felt like the same tone and the same narrative voice. I'm sure it being thick of a book really
2: helped with that to kind of keep things consistent. I think they actually only have one person write it usually. Like, one or two people uh, write really? the whole thing usually, and then they split up recording it. Uh, I think they changed that up a little bit for the longer ones where they'll be like here yeah. you do like this section of it that's sort of split off but like the on the AO3 post for this one they have the credits on the last page and it says that all of it was written by Ergiada SLV oh which amazing. is wild Ergi also so. we stand on Ergiada Ergi
0: yeah this this podcast is a fan okay well that makes a lot more sense then yeah cuz I was remembering Ultra Detective I know it was broken up quite a bit because there is a lot of writing in that particular fan work yeah. It's fun, though, to see, like, that they have different energies, like, from place to place. It really felt like you were going different places, even though um, the pros had that same lyricism. Like, the frost cart was a very fun little, like, ah ha shaved ice. <laughs> this is fun. Uh, versus, like, the diving bell, which um, maybe was a little bit less cheerful,
2: I suppose you could say. <laughs> Divisive, some might say.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, um... I was saying in pre-discussion that uh, when I first read this work, I did a little bit of listening, but honestly, I was mostly reading the text because um, despite the fact that we went on break for like two months, I used absolutely none of that time to do anything for FitClick. So I was scrambling last minute for birthday picks. So it goes. Um, and so I just wanted to make sure this was like something I wanted to bring. And so when I came back to it a second time to like really get into it, I was like, You know, So the diving bell is kind of what it sounds like. You get in a little submersible and you go underwater and you see mysterious shapes in the distance and some fish and some weird sounds. And then you come back up and maybe there's music. Who knows? And then your little secret trinket is like a a blueprint, like diagram of the bell um, made by your uncle. But you're like, it's the same initials and the same thing that my uncle makes, but surely it's not my uncle. And I was like shaking H like (laughs) it's your uncle.
0: Yeah, no, Truly probably not. Is That's probably a coincidence. Girl,
1: like, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> but, like, one of the things that really struck me is when I went back to that section again and, like, listened all the way through is I was like, this became so much more ominous. Like, when you are down in the depths and you're seeing shadowy little things, there are just, like, sounds in the background. Like, not singing, like, not, like, siren singing. You get a little bit of that later. But just, like, off-putting sounds. And I was like, oh, this one became, like, yeah, again, way more unsettling. Um Which was my feeling, but I did look in the comments and the person who this was gifted to, because this was made for Yuletide, was like, if I could live somewhere in the night circus, I'd live in the diving bell. It sounded so cozy, like my friend and I could be there. And I was like, bestie, no.
0: That's so cute.
1: I mean, I love that they had that reaction, but I I was not there with them.
0: No, I don't think like circuses are known for really sturdy, well constructed equipment either. <laughs> like that was what was stressing. I was like, "We're go, oh, we're going down." Okay, but like, this is, but you this die, is a girl. magic circus,
2: so like, I guess. And it's also I was like, "This screw's going to fly off. Or You're going to drown in
0: this bell." <laughs> I don't like it.
2: Um. Yeah. I mean, the diving bell also stood out to me, although less as being ominous, and more as. I'm trying to remember the order I did them. Um Like I went to the different places. I think, yeah, I think the diving bell was the second thing I did. I think the first thing I did was the Four Seasons ride, which is like very fun. It's like a little like sort of you you sit in a little cart or boat. I don't remember. And then you just sort of go through a little ride where it's like each of the Four Seasons and you sort of have a, an atmospheric experience in each one. Um But the soundscaping on that one, at least that I was hearing, I was just listening out loud outside. So very possible I missed things in some of the audio. But um, that one was much more like sort of here's this sort of atmospheric background noise and a little bit of like music or like, you know, for the winter scene, I think there was sort of the sound of something going through the snow. Um, But it, it felt much more to me like this is a mood setting. And then I went to the diving bell one. Which is very specifically soundscaped of, like, here is the sound of you stepping into a metal thing. Here's the sound of a door closing. Here's the sound of the chain lowering you down in the bell. Um, which was, like, much more immersive uh, in a way that I thought was super cool. And I liked the fact that they sort of varied kind of the approach of, like, you know, it wasn't all entirely, like, this is, like, a literal soundscape of here are the sounds you would hear getting into and out of this tent Um combined with the ones that were a little bit more like, this is just atmospheric mood setting. Um, I thought that was super, really cool. And like kind of added to the, you're experiencing all these different things feeling. Mm-hmm. I feel like soundscaping
0: in particular, but a lot of different like editing tricks and things people will do are one of the reasons I lose my dang mind when people are like, podfic isn't transformative. Me, 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 me. <laughs> I get so mad. Anyway, that's a different gripe. Um but it is so cool to see the ways in which translating something into a different medium can offer so much space for like additional pieces that add to the whole. Like It's really cool to see the difference between reading through one of these little scripts and then listening to the transcript. They're quite short too, um, like two to four minutes in audio typically for each place. And then even a little bit shorter than that for some of the scraps that you find. Uh, But there's so much packed in, because they can do so much more, there's like this layering aspect that I really, really like, and with something like this by a group like this that is written for audio, it just gives so much space for that kind of interpretation, and I think it really heightens the experience of taking in a fan work like this, especially when like the source material is so atmospheric, it's cool to see like that It makes so much sense as a translation of The Night Circus specifically.
2: Okay, so here's where I jump in with one of the things that I remembered slash relearned about canon. Yeah, yeah please. please do. Um, so the main character in the H's mom and uh, H's aunt, actually, are both characters, and they're actually two of the people that originally helped design the Night Circus in the first place. Oh. Um, and we never exactly find out what their role is in the book, But I think they're referred to at some point as like the atmosphere specialists. Um, They're like specifically very like uh, the the character who is H's mom is supposed to be like very, I think, sort of detail oriented. Um, It's mentioned in in this fan work and also in the book that they both used to be librarians, but they'll only discuss that if they're very intoxicated. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) Um, And I had forgotten that that's like a direct quote from the book. Um, so there's like this this sense of like very detail oriented, but also like cataloging a vast amount of knowledge. Um, so let me see if I can find the bit that I quoted. Yeah, they talk they're talking about sort of like what they've been designing for the circus in one of the it's not like flashback chapters exactly, but they're sort of alternating chapters in the book of like, here's a separate thing. here's the main story which I had also um. forgotten and which worked well for this fan work. Cause I realized like the, the, there's a couple things that show up in this fan work that are like, here's a newspaper article. Like here's mm-hmm. something else, like a letter that you got. Um, and yeah. that's actually it's like, like grapes of wrath
0: and the effing dust <laughs> saga
2: where you keep checking
0: in on the dust. There's like a whole two or three pages description of dust. Anyway, sorry.
2: <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, uh, first thing is that I had forgotten that that aspect was like also part of the book that is in this fan work, which was very cool. But also, yeah, they have this this description in the book where the two sisters are talking about like all of the various details that they focus on in the circus. Because someone is like, "Well, what what do you do?" And they never like really answer it, but they talk about like the sense, the music, the quality of the light. Uh, we like to hit all of the senses, some more than others. Scent is often underestimated; it can be the most evocative. And then the uh, the owner of the circus, who I think gets mentioned in one of at least one of the places in this fan work, it's like they're brilliant with atmosphere. Um, and then one of the sisters says, "The trick is to make it feel as though none of it is pers- purposeful, to make the artificial feel natural, and tie all the elements together." And I was like, "Now I understand why this fan work like exists the way mm-hmm. it does, um, because that's something that I think about a lot with the sentient Hive stuff, because I'm always like." obviously they have this sort of tradition of like we make like an audio interactive game and like how do you choose like especially when they're doing a pod together one where it's like you can do anything like how do they choose what kinds of things will work well for this and obviously this one was the yuletide treat phil unclear um yeah but yuletide would
0: always be harder though because you have to offer fandoms yeah <laughs> if you signed up it could have. Been i a do treat. want
2: That's yeah great. i do wonder if it was a treat, but. um So like obviously this one, they didn't have the choice of it, but I can totally see how they would see this and be like, oh, this could be a really good piece for us to do something with because that's like 100% exactly what they do in this this pod fic is like build all these little sort of like scents because especially even a lot of the descriptions of this fic are very focused around like the smell in the air and what you're hearing and what you're feeling and... Uh, even beyond like the sort of soundscaping aspect of it. That's like very present. So yeah, I was like, this is so much better than I thought it was even. And I already thought it was very good. (laughs) No, I just, I think it's really impressive how well they managed to like make something that now that I've refreshed my knowledge of canon does feel super, super true to canon and like very tied in, but also something that is really a delightful experience on its own without any context at all. Like, that's really impressive.
1: Amen. Yeah, I think that is um, a perfect way to sort of end cap this discussion. Um, I had a lot of fun both playing this work and also uh, getting back into the swing of FitClick, not only with my co-host, but with our good friend Cass. Cassie, thank you so much for coming on the pod and um, putting up with our a little bit of a slow start to get back into the groove of things. (laughs)
2: I would say you should have just told me that, like, this was fine, actually, but, like, I do know you guys, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure you could have made it through that one.
1: Thanks for coming and guesting. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. And happy birthday, Reed. Thank you so much. And happy half-birthday, Nick. (laughs) Well. (laughs) Thank you. Happy birthday, Brenna. Woohoo. Happy
1: birthday, Cassie. Happy birthday, Cassie. Happy birthday to
3: everyone. Let's go. Fling me off the merry-go-round and into the wilderness. (laughs) Here we go.
1: (laughs) My next fic for this episode is Gone to Ground by Marionettes. It is for Fire Emblem, Three Houses, the pairing Felix Sylvain, as always. We love them on this pod. Or at least I love them and then I force my co-hosts to witness them. I love them. I'm so we glad. Love yeah, them. currently, um, <laughs> well, Brendan's Zoom background was fitted for the last fan work, but currently, um, Nick and I are each in front of a Felix and Sylvain, just bringing me a lot of joy.
0: I call him fraldi like all the true fans. I the think series. he would
1: legitimately stab you if you could say that to him. <laughs> See, I feel like my problem with like
0: liking
3: Sylvix, Sylvix. Um my problem with liking uh F- felix and sylvain is that like i feel like if i ever experience any canon content i'm gonna be so <laughs> let down and disappointed yeah, that's fair that's honestly true. <laughs> like this has happened too many times now where i've gotten invested through fan works and like people posting on tumblr and stuff and then i go watch the actual thing and i'm like well,
1: see but i don't <laughs> i think it's kind of unlikely that you will ever pick up fire emblem three oh, houses no. the video game so i think you'll be fine
3: don't tell me what's likely <laughs> yeah read <laughs> She might. I said
1: unlikely. I didn't say impossible.
0: Reed, I'm a gamer. Yeah, and that's why they call us "game click" as like a nickname. Oh, actually,
1: you know what? This will be a good, a good place. Yeah. Um, since I said all three of my fix technically, if you squint, have video game aspects, but this is the most video game. So, um, theme music here. Reed's video game corner. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, for the first time on the pod, I have brought a canon compliant, or I guess future fic, but yeah, canon, um, Fire Emblem Three Houses fic. I think that's right, right? I brought a space fic Mm -hmm. and a cowboy fic.
0: (laughs) You brought two space fics. And I
3: still always think it's set in space, (laughs) and it's not. It
1: is so not. Space
0: and space cowboys.
1: I was like, this is an a U, because
0: they're not in space.
1: (laughs) No, this one is canon. Um... So this fic is set in the future from canon. Uh, The canon of the game is extensive, but what you need to know is that um, there was a war for five years. This fic takes place two years after the war's end. And this fic assumes you took the Blue Lions route, which means sort of like the homeland that Sylvain and Felix are from, uh, won the war. And now they're trying to deal with sort of the aftermath of that. This fic in specific is Sylvain trying to broker peace negotiations with a nearby country, uh, Sreng. I don't know if that's how you say it. It features very little in the game. Like, the most you know in the game is that, like, Sylvain's territory borders this country, that there have been years and years of war and skirmishes and invasions. Um, And Sylvain is trying to put an end to that. Uh, So he appoints himself diplomat, heads into strength territory. He's been there for a couple of months. Um, And then Felix shows up and he's like, this is a trap. You're going to die. And Sylvain is like, I am so good at negotiating and I trust these people and they're not going to kill me. And spoilers, he is wrong. Um, they do try to kill him. Um, And that launches Felix and Sylvain into um, going on the run in the wilderness of this tundra, trying to make their way back to their homeland so they can be safe. With that, um, I guess the content warnings I would give for this fic uh, are there is violence, like there is fighting, um, and with the violence, there is major character injury. Um, It is... Pretty present and pretty severe. Um, we are in Sylvain's POV and he is going through it. Um, because when is he not in fan fiction? <laughs> yeah. True. Um, and additionally, just sort of the general context of like, they're no longer actively in war, but just sort of like war has shaped the setting, wilderness survival, etc. Uh, this fic, I think, does not shy away from really ramping up its like tension and its stakes. Um, it's pretty difficult for them out there. So... That is the heads up I would give you for this fic. This is a fic that I had had in my Marked for Later for about a billion years. Every time I was in the Sylvain Felix tag, it was like staring at me. And I don't know why I kept being like, another time, another time. And then um, in last year's rec exchange, the person who was gifting fics to me recommended this fic. And I was like, okay, I get it. I have to read Gone to Ground by (laughs) Marionettes. It's a sign. It is a sign. Um, And I fully get why it is like so high up in the tag. And I think why it is a really beloved fic. Um, I think this author does a very good job at keeping the stakes high. Like I said, like the tension feels very high. Um, I really liked the sort of dynamic between Sylvain and Felix and the characterizations they have here. They feel like pretty true to who we know, but also it does give you a little bit of that like future, like trying to settle into something different, something that isn't like actively in wartime. Um... I love them. They're in love. They make me feel bonkers. Um, And I just thought it would be nice to return to Fire Emblem for my birthday because Sylvain is my blurbo. I said that to a friend recently and he laughed at me and went, I don't know what that means. And I was like, I don't know how to describe blurbo to you. I'm so sorry. And then he Googled it and I was like, I guess that'll get you close enough. Anyway, my co-hosts. Yeah, I wasn't sure how this fic was going to go with you guys because it is, as I said, much more canon than um, the previous fics that I brought. Um, So I would love to hear your thoughts and experiences reading it.
0: Yeah, what I'd like to say is don't underestimate me, Reed. I enjoyed this a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was a really good fic. Um, I did read it interspersed like in bursts, with a 92,000-word canon-compliant K-pop fic. And that experience, I think, definitely added to my enjoyment of this story, because uh, I was just having a blast going back and forth between two tabs of fics I was enjoying a lot, and it was really, uh, it was a choice I made, and it's not one that I necessarily regret. Um, I like Sylvain and Felix as a pairing. I like the fics that we've read for them. I was trying to remember who wrote the one in space. Like,
1: a similar name, but yes. not Yes, I was author. like, meat girl.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely not it. No. <laughs> Mediast. Yes. Anyway. Um, I don't know. I think these guys are cool. I'm always going to enjoy a dynamic of, like, the serious one and the kind of, like, roguish quipper, if you will. Um, if you're listening to this and you also like those dynamics, I would recommend Winter's Orbit and Ocean's Echo by everina Maxwell. Their are books. Um, just if you want the sylvain felix vibe not quite (laughs) but like sort of close (laughs) anyway um i'll talk about this more later but as you may or may not know i'm a huge fan of what i call hashtag the devotionisms in fic and in pairings and fandom it's what makes bodyguard au like my favorite trope of all time and i loved it in this story i think it's one reason i really like these two characters too they both have this like real weird homoerotic well of devotion for one another. That I enjoy. So I thought it was good. It was fun to get to know the canon a little bit. Reed keeps bringing fics where they're in space, so I'm excited to get to read them um, on the ground. (laughs) And that'll be fun. So yeah, those are my thoughts. I thought this was really good. Thank you.
1: I bring one fic where they're in space, and that just sets (laughs) what the canon is for you both forever.
3: Yeah, that's super true. I always imagine them in space. They're not supposed to be in space. Apparently, this is canon. I don't know. I read it sort of as like an AU of the speed. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Same. But this fic is an absolute banger. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think something that's helpful is that like the Felix and Sylvain that we've met in the various fics that we've discussed for them, like they're obviously not exactly the same characterization but they feel consistent enough that i feel like i'm starting to get a sense of the characters um and i enjoy hanging out with them even when they are fucking struggling in the wilderness um as they are here but yeah i really really enjoyed this fic it has a lot of like tropey stuff that i like in terms of like what few tropes it employs (laughs) (laughs) like this is not a tropey fic But the few tropes are ones I like, (laughs) so that was good for me personally. I think Felix and sylvain are just like an easy couple to like in the fics that we've read for them um so i'm i'm always down to read more i will say like this is a gripe not with this fic but just like with fire emblem i always think it's felix who has red hair like that just (laughs) makes sense to me in my brain Um, that's just your own issue no it's a gripe with the character design of felix and sylvain (laughs) um so, like Sylvain should be a brunette. Like I don't know what to tell you other than brunette. that. Like they were so wrong for that.
0: Um, I'm sorry. Sylvain is a brunette and Felix with like bright
3: red hair.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, that's what I always Felix imagine. With the red hair feels really wrong. Like I can picture Sylvain as a brunette, but I can't picture Felix with red hair. That feels <laughs> not good.
3: I totally can. I've imagined <laughs> him that way every book we've read. <laughs> When I'm looking at your screen right now, I'm certain that that one's <laughs>
0: Felix and that one's no. So big I have my of... blurb behind me. Yeah, Felix. No, <laughs> my blurb, <laughs> fraldi.
3: Anyway, um, other than that, which I guess is just a personal struggle, um, I thought this is really good. I this fic definitely like ups the stakes quite a bit throughout its chapters. Like things get pretty intense, and had I not been like 99.5% sure that this did not have major character death as an ending um mostly because I think Reed would have warned us for it before uh, like reading and I mean it doesn't have it as a major archive warning but you never know sometimes things can slip
0: through <laughs> oops i forgot to tag that i killed my main characters <laughs>
3: If I hadn't been like 99.5% sure that this did not have major character death as an ending, um, largely because I think Reed would have warned us if it did, um, I really would have been concerned for Sylvain. Shit happens to that boy in this fic, and it's not good. But I enjoyed my reading experience of it because I think you often don't get stakes raised up to that level in fan fiction um so i without it being like super wumpy or like major hurt no comfort kind (laughs) of fic Mm -hmm. um so i definitely like liked that sort of quote unquote like realism that was happening here realism in the sense that like it would be very hard to survive the situation he's in and it was hard to survive the situation he was in Mm
0: -hmm. yeah and even with wump i feel like the stakes are lower sometimes specifically because you know that you're going in and this this blorb is
1: gonna get wrecked
0: you know versus a fic like this Mm -hmm. where you're like not really sure what's gonna happen or when um or how bad it is or isn't gonna get
1: yeah yeah i mean when i first read this fic um i just sort of went in i didn't really closely look at the tags and i definitely also had that feeling of like i didn't scroll back up to see but i was like is he gonna make it like (laughs) <laughs> Did I just, like, unwittingly sign up for MCD? I didn't. He's fine. But, like, it gets real close there. I think the timing of reading this fic also worked really well for me um, because upon Brenna's recommendation, I have been listening to the Queen's Thief series by Megan Whalen turner And the many of the books, like, the, the theme is basically, like, road trip, but just, like, on foot travels with some amount of peril. But the fifth book is, like, two people on the run trying to avoid people that are like hunting them down and going through stuff they have the stakes are high for them but i think um there's like some injury it's like not it is not as bad i think for them as it is for these two at least on a micro level um
3: yeah like the stakes are very high for kosas and Kama if they get caught but there isn't the same level of like injury and like survival peril happening in the queen's thief book that happens to Sylvan sylvix i can't (laughs) i've just combined it um that's happening to sylvain and felix here sorry to jump in no
1: you're exactly right um but i've been loving that series and i really loved that book in particular and so i think coming fresh uh like off of that book into this fic i was like i am having such a good time with this even as the characters are like absolutely fucking miserable (laughs) um because yeah i guess just to give a little bit more context so Sylvain has been in these like peace negotiations for months he feels like very close to sort of closing the deal and it would be historic and when Felix shows up like in disguise he's like we've got to go and Sylvain is like no and then like he almost gets murdered and like his closest guards almost get murdered and slash some of them do um and it's just the two of them on the run trying to avoid uh the sort of Serang people who are hunting them down. They don't fully know where they're going. They're just sort of trying to make their way to the border. And then Sylvain gets severely injured and, like, basically pushes himself to the brink of death, trying to get the two of them back. He gets stabbed, bro. He does get stabbed. Um, and it's, like, all of it is tough. Like, it, I think as Brenna said, like, I'm, realism as much as you're going to get realism in fan fiction, but, like, it really does not shy away from how difficult and horrible this, like, journey is for the two of them and i just i liked that feeling of like sort of not just the tension being high but how the stakes kept getting raised and raised raised. like first it's just like oop, we should be keeping an eye out for water sources and then it's oh god felix fell in the river and then it's oh god sylvain has a wound that is festering sylvain is becoming increasingly weak sylvain is probably gonna die um i just think this author did like such a good job dragged by his ankles yeah literally like passes out and felix is like dragging him like i will not let you die and sylvain is like it'd be better if you just did though and i'm screaming
0: yeah i think for me one thing i really love about this story is how early on you get a sense of their relationship um i described it as like established mutual pining You might know if you listen to the show, it's been a minute since we talked about this, but we do often like it when they're not like nice to each other, but they're still in love. (laughs) And that's very much a thing here. Like there's such a lack of sweetness in their relationship. And yet, even like when Felix first shows up, you can feel Sylvain's yearning for him, but you can also feel his trust for him. And that makes me lose my mind, obviously. So I just really liked how, and they don't even exchange that many words early on. Felix is like, yo, it's a trap. I came to get you. And Sylvain's like, I'm good. Thanks.
1: And Felix is like, no, you're really not. Eek. And Sylvain is like, haha, it's all good, bro. The line where Sylvain is like, trust is a hook and he was the fish. And I was like, oh, Sylvain.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And oh my thanks. gosh. And that one's showing up again later, too. So good. Anyway. Yeah, there's a line where Felix basically goes, like, you said you trust me, so trust me. And that is the thing that gets Sylvain to be like, all right, fine. Basically, like, if, if he trusts literally anyone in this world, it seems to be Felix. And then later we get a lot of nonverbal communication during the running away and during combat and things. They have their little code, like they know each other inside and out. And there is this implicit, deep level of trust that always really gets me. And it definitely got me here as well. I thought it was just great. And it made the rest of the story and the high stakes and the choices they make feel super believable. Like, I, I believe that Sylvain would be like, go on without me. And that Felix would be like, fuck that. Absolutely not. I'm off to go try and fight off a bunch of people by myself and maybe die. And then they're fine. But well, fine is maybe a strong word. But I still really liked the way that played out. And I think it just made for a really satisfying dynamic throughout the story.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think I, <laughs> to go back to what Reed was talking about um a few moments ago, Uh, before I read this fic, Reed was like, this kind of reminded me of like the fifth Queen's Thief book with Kosis and Kamet. So I ha- it was kind of like eye emoji this whole time because um, I read that book earlier this year and absolutely loved it and feel slightly gourdless about it. I it's a really close call between the first book and the fifth book being my favorite in that series, but the fifth one is so freaking good. And, like, it's such a love story without them ever, like, being romantic, but, like, it is a love story. And there is something also like, when Felix first shows up in the, like, camp that Sylvain is staying in with the people from this other country he's trying to, like, make a peace treaty with... um. And it just describes Felix as, like, a traitor from the South. I was like, this is Felix. (laughs) (laughs) Partially because that whole freaking book, like, no one's real name is being used. Um, And the part where, like, the gods show up, but, like, they don't recognize as the gods. Anyway, that's a whole other thing for when we talk about Queen's Thief next, which I think will be coming shortly um, if I have anything to say about it. (laughs) and you should (laughs) but i think that also just like set me up to really enjoy this fic and like their dynamic here because i was like already in a mindset to like really enjoy those aspects of it um yeah their dynamic is so good i think like the author manages to convey a lot about what they've been through previously and their like war trauma um without like giving us a ton of information like we kind of just see it in these little snippets um but it gives you a lot to work with as a reader and a lot to like be invested in um with the two of them and i just love a fic where like really high stakes scenarios like force people to reveal their feelings (laughs) which is exactly what this whole fic is like the stakes could not be higher um Although I will say I really enjoyed at the end when they get rescued and they're talking to Ingrid after she's healed Sylvain and she's sort of like, yeah, the people who are also on your side were looking for you and you as a reader (laughs) realize that multiple of the people they hid from were probably on their side and could have helped them like survive the situation. But also like you can't blame them too much because they didn't know and if it had been the other people looking for them, they would have been dead.
1: So well, it's literally a thing where... um... They they do encounter a group of the people looking for them who do want them dead. That's how Sylvain gets stabbed. And, like, in that reveal, it's the thought, like, if they had been, who knows, 50, 100 yards to the right, maybe they would have stumbled into the other group and, like, maybe it would have been fine. But it didn't work out that way. And I feel like, I don't know, as you guys were both talking about sort of the, like, implicit trust and their relationship, one of the parts of this fic that made me feel ill, so many parts, but, um... There's a continuous feeling of them being prey. And there's a part where Sylvain, like, very explicitly thinks about how he learned about, like, Sreng hunting tactics, where they just sort of fan out in a circle and tighten and tighten and tighten the circle until the prey is caught in the middle. And when that happens to them, like, when they have that fight, before Sylvain gets stabbed, they are doing so well together. It's this like, fluid. They don't need to speak. They don't even need to look. And he, like, falls into it. And Sylvain's, like, kind of enjoying himself as, like, kind of as gory as that is. Like, the easy flow and the trust that's there. I don't know. I, yeah, I agree with what you guys both said that I think this Vic does such a good job of telling you so much about their dynamic and who they are to each other. And they're not like, I don't know, Nick, your established mutual pining. Like, it's been made clear that, like, they are some kind of something. They, they, like, they're freaking
0: weird about each other.
1: Like, they, like, they've slept together. Like, that's not an unestablished thing. Like, Sylvain, like, kisses Felix when he first, not first first season, but whatever. And, like, that's not, like, a new thing, right? But I think, like, the, um, this really made them be like, oh, actually only seeing you once every two to six months sucks. And actually I care about you so much. um, So much so that like, I really was willing to take our promise so literally that I would die by your side, which I feel so good and normal about, Um, which is a canonical thing that the, like, I like I get it, right? It's perfect bait in a fic. Like, why would you not bring up the fact that they promised to die by each other's side? But then like, when Sylvain is like, felix has gone to fight off who he thinks are like more enemies and it turns out to be allies and sylvain is like on sheer fucking willpower dragging his body because like he made a promise to felix and he's going to keep it so they can just die together i was like i i think my note literally was just like i hate them (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: valid yeah
1: i think one thing i really liked about this
0: story too is like once felix had gone off to go confront these people i was pretty confident it was rescue Um, because again, we didn't have an MCD tag and I was like, what the heck else? Like, we're pretty close to the end here. (laughs) Like, what could it be? But I still think like the way that the beats of this fic were placed were really kind of fresh and unexpected to me. Like when they ended up back, okay, so they're like following a stream for a while. And at one point there's all this fog and they get split away from the path that they were on. And they're, like, fighting people and trying to escape, and they follow the stream and end up back at their old fire, like, that they had put out. And it's this moment of, like, oh, shit, because Sylvain is stabbed and bleeding and likely infected uh, by this point, and they're trying to, like, stagger their way another full day out to the border, and they've accidentally backtracked for, like, an entire half day. And it is this very, like, stomach-dropping moment for them in the story, and also it felt so weirdly satisfying as a reader (laughs) for stuff to get worse. Like, I think sometimes when things get worse in a very, like, save-the-cat format type way, where it's like, oh, everything's darkest at the 11th hour, and of course something's gonna go wrong, I get so bored, especially with, like, action movies and things like that, I'm, like, asleep while they're making the plan, so I'm like, it's not going to work, because it saved the cat. So I really liked that this fix seemed to break from some of that, like, tradition, I guess? Things just didn't happen exactly when I expected them to, and I really appreciated that, because it kept me really engaged throughout.
1: I felt that way even from the start, like, when Sylvain is so convinced that it's not a trap, he's like, well, if it's a trap, it's by other people. It's not by, like, the main, like, chieftain that I've been talking to. Like, I know him, I trust him, and then it turns out he was wrong, and that, like... He did well enough in his negotiations that maybe he postponed yes. his death, but, like, it was it was him the whole time. Like, I was fully expecting, like, oh, Sylvain would be trying to lock down this negotiation and some outside people or some, like, traitors from within the camp were going to cause a problem. And it was exactly the way that Felix had said it, and I thought that just sort of set the tone for things being slightly different than you'd expect them to play out.
3: Yeah, also, like, I really appreciated that even though the wilderness survival might not be like 100% accurate, like, Felix sure does seem to recover from his hypothermia pretty quickly. Um, I appreciate that it was like, not completely unrealistic. Like, I enjoy wilderness survival stuff to an extent. Um, Like, this is exactly how much I enjoy. I enjoy it when people are like, have to be creative the peril is kind of high but they do get out I don't enjoy it when it like all goes to hell and then people eat each other like that's not where that's not for me personally um but I think like wilderness survival skills are really interesting (laughs) um so that was like another part of this that I found very like engaging I don't know like I think I was a little bit like, oh my god, I haven't left myself enough time to read this fic because I was genuinely worried that I hadn't left myself enough time to read this fic. And the beginning was like hard to get my foot again. There were a lot of OCs and like the political stuff that Sylvain is dealing with at the beginning, I just didn't I it took me a little while to like get my bearing. But then once they're on the run, I felt so pulled along because of how high the stakes were. Um and I really liked how the stakes like developed like we kind of went from just it just being like okay well if they get caught they die to then being like if they don't have like supplies they die and if they get caught they die to being like well if sylvain's infection like kills him he dies and if they don't have supplies they die and if they get caught (laughs) they die like it just kind of kept piling up in a way that i found like really engaging um yeah, I don't know. I just enjoyed the high stakes aspect of it. I think it's been a really long time since I read a fic that had something like that. But I've been reading a lot of like published books that are more in that vein um, and just like enjoying that vibe.
0: Um, so I found this really satisfying in that regard. I want to just read a line from the first chapter because what I was talking about with their like initial kind of re-encounter and all of the trust that's there, I feel like is written really well too, like the prose is really effective. So this is from uh, Sylvain basically being like, all right, I'll trust you, Felix. And then it goes this. This is as familiar as I need and here you go, as watch out and duck. The give and take, sharp but fond, more familiar even, all the way back to childhood. The kind of thing you don't think to miss until you're traipsing across the country to and from the capital, the ruined countryside, your family's manor, the middle of fucking Sring, doing all the things that have to be done in the new piece. I just really liked it. This sense of, like, this is what we have to go through and deal with and this is what it's like for the two of us to be people in relation to one another. And it's hard, but it also is familiar and, like, means a lot to both of them.
1: I care them so much. <laughs> for all the vain. Well... It is yeah, Silvix, but vein. Oh. no.
3: it's Fraldvayne. Fraldvayne, no.
0: <laughs> okay. It depends on who you think tops. <laughs> well, we are okay, not if, getting if into that discourse. If
3: is his last name, wouldn't we combine the last names? So it'd be like Fraldtier or
1: whatever. I don't know <laughs> how you say his last name. <laughs> Gautier? Okay. Fraldtier. <laughs> yeah, but uh, kind of bad. Not that Silvix is, like, easy to say, per se, but, like... Phraltier is also not great. Goldarius. Gotarius. <laughs> I kind of like. <sighs> I guess depending
3: on who you think tops.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. On that note, um, I'm going to wrap this discussion. Um, yeah. Truly just delighted to be back in my Fire Emblem corner with these lads whom I care about so much and who are so normal about each other and reading about them also makes me feel normal. Thank you. By horse, by foot, by tundra land,
0: Yibo and Xiao Zhan will hold their their hands. hands. Yeah, (laughs) we got it.
1: And my last fic for my birthday episode is If You Would Only Let You by GDGD Baby. It is Untamed RPF, Wang Yibo Um, And yes, as mentioned, it is in fact a road trip fic. If you listened to our, I think, year-end review recap whatever we name it minisode you will know that um at some point last year i went on a bit of a bender and just read a lot of fix for this pairing um specifically by this author um even though again i have seen a maximum of like mm, 12 or 14 episodes of the untamed sometimes you just i don't know sometimes you have a niche and this was mine um yeah so i felt pretty sure that I wanted to bring a Yishan fic for my birthday and I thought it kind of had to be GDGD Baby since they are really the author that I don't know anything about them as real people. Every bit of like, quote unquote, canon information I know comes from this author. Thank oh, you. I thought you meant
3: you didn't know anything about GDGD Baby as a real person. <laughs> well, I, I also like, yeah, don't. Valid. <laughs> I super
1: don't know anything about GDGD Baby other than the fact that they write very good fan fiction. I guess I know that GD Baby runs the like, um, oh my god, what's it called? The holiday the way where you say nice things about people anonymously. Oh mm, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so they they run a nice fandom event every year, and that's about as much as I know about them. Anyway, this fanfiction. Um, as with many Yijon fics, or at least the ones I've read, this fic is also a future fic where it is a number of years out from the untamed. Um, Yibo and Zhaozhan have not talked in about like three-ish years. Um, It is New Year's, and Xiao Zhan had sent Ibo a bunch of drunk text messages that were basically like, I'm sad. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing with my life. The weight of fame is crushing me. He doesn't remember sending any of these. Ibo shows up at his door and is like, we are going on a road trip to fix your life. And they do. And it does not totally fix Xiao Zhan's life, but it is a good start. I just, I liked this fic so much. I... I love a road trip fic. I think this was an excellent execution of it. Um, This fic had a lot of tropes and I thought all of them were done really well. Um, There was much in this fic that I just really liked about their relationship. I really liked the Zhaozhan of it and sort of his character arc and growth, um, which I'm excited to get into. I don't really have any content warnings for this fic, um, but I guess maybe my one like caveat or asterisk that is also in the author's note is that for these two real people... Uh, fan fiction being written about them actually did have a pretty significant impact, um, in their life in China and, like, on their careers, Xiao Zhan's specifically, um, these author's notes say, like, hey, I wrote this fic before any of that happened, just, this is a world in which none of that happened, um, and there was definitely some suspension of disbelief, especially knowing what happened, that applies uh, to the end of the fic, but again, this is fan fiction, that make-believe space, and it, like, is not present in the fic, I just figured I would note that if you are someone who is sort of familiar with, uh, that situation. As ever, my co-hosts would love to hear your thoughts.
3: Yes, I'd love to share them. Um, I really enjoyed this. I I feel like this has been in my marked for later for like a million years, and I don't know why I didn't read it. I read a lot of other GDGD baby fic, and I don't know why I never read this one. Um, I think, Honestly, part of it was just, like, it got a lot of hype within, like, the small universe of Yishan fic, and sometimes I get scared that, like, something's not going to live up to what I would like it to be, so then it was always this, like, eternal promise of, like, maybe this will be a great Yishan fic. And, like, it was! It totally lived up to that, but sometimes you just have that feeling of, like, what if this is the one good Yishan fic I have left, and then I click on it, and then it's bad? Um... But I was really glad that this sort of pushed me into finally reading it because I had a banger time. Um, I really enjoy GD GD Baby's, uh writing. They are a very experienced fic writer. Like, they have a ton of works on AO3. And I think that really shows. Like, I think their fic just feels really confident and, like, established and knows what it's doing. Um, I really like the sense of place in this fic and the characterization. Um this just, like, really hit. It was very fanfiction-y, but, like, in the best way possible. Um, like, if this stuff had happened in a published book, I would have been like, whoa, wait a minute, don't we need, like, more setup? But that's, like, the joy of fanfiction. You can kind of just jump right in. Um, and any, like re- like, revelations about prior relationship kind of moments are just sort of, like, enticing and exciting. And I do love that as, like, in both this fic and the um what was our terrible portmanteau um
0: oh fraude vein goterius fraltier Fraltier. yeah that's what i wanted uh, okay. um yeah
3: i think both in this fic and and the fraltier one <laughs> we just discussed um that sort of feeling of like they're they already know each other really well and there was, like, something going on. The Fraltier was much more of, like, an established, at least, situationship. I wouldn't necessarily say it was, like, a relationship. Um, but there's, like, there's feelings there, 100%. This one, there's, like, also feelings, but it's, like, more complicated and also they haven't, like, I don't know. It's, it, yeah. Um, It's also much more, like, real world. So there is some struggling with, like, can you be a gay man in the Chinese entertainment industry? This fic takes a very nice route that I don't think is actually available in real life presently. I wish it was, but I am not in control of um, China's political uh, views. (laughs) I am not (laughs) if
1: you (laughs) were. It would
3: be really wild and everyone would say, what the hell is happening? Who made that girl in charge? And I'd say, I don't fucking know. (laughs) Get me out of here, actually. (laughs) This is too much responsibility. Um, But anyway, uh, I really enjoyed sort of their, like, kind of... Getting back together as people, like just re-establishing what a friendship even looks like before like a relationship aspect. Um, that was just like really satisfying to read. Um yeah, I I love the potential for a good road trip story. Like when it's done well, it hits so well, but I've definitely read some that were like quite disappointing. Um, this one was not. I feel like part of that is like they go to enough places. (laughs) Um and I really enjoyed how each of those locations and settings that GdGd Baby chose like brought something new to their journey as both individual people and like the getting together aspect.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed this. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know about Yijan. I have, as we know, I haven't seen the Untamed. I've read a lot of future or uh, I should say modern AU fic, however. Um, reading this, I was like, oh, yeah, these guys are not like their characters. So I had to go back <laughs> to the drawing board characterization wise and be like, oh boy, <laughs> time to search my brain for all of the Xiao Zhan knowledge I've acquired over the years. It's nothing. So I learned a little bit about him reading this. Um, yeah, this is just not uh, a fixed base or fandom I've been in before. So I was pretty much reading it as original fiction um, with like a little tiny bit of context that I was sort of gripping. As I went through, I learned some things as well. I read this fic in front of Brenna in person. Hey, Bren, thanks for coming over. Um, Mm -hmm. It wasn't just so that I could read this fic, but (laughs) that is what happened. Thanks for
3: having me over just for like two hours while you read this fic and I kind of napped on your couch. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, it was like she was sitting there and every once in a while I'd be like, what? Um, Notably about Yibo racing Mm -hmm. car motorcycle racing what on earth what wow where does he find the time (laughs) (laughs) i just don't know um yeah i do agree i think sometimes a story that is like a string of tropes doesn't really work for me because it feels like the author wanted to write the tropes but in this case i'm sure gdgd baby did want to write these tropes but they felt like they were serving the story in a way that i really liked and they also felt connected to one another and like the logical conclusion of the previous trope would lead into the next one. So I loved that. I thought it was fun. Um, I did get lost at a few points. I was like, who's that? I don't know. Who's that? Mm, What are we referencing? Who knows? But that was fine. I think if you want to read this, you really can even without like pretty much any context because I had almost none and I still had a good time and thought that these guys were um, MFEO. That's my internet slang.
1: You're gonna have to spell that one out. <laughs> Made for each other. Ah, thank you so much. Obviously. Come on. Reed. Come on. Read. You're so
0: literally sorry. the youngest of us. You should know this.
1: I okay. I I should have also <laughs> established um on my birthday episode, no lying about your age.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was gonna say I'm lying about your age, but that's not true. I'm just putting myself in front of you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think just to name some of the tropes that are in this fix, you have just like the general road trip. Um, you have the sort of uh, carrying a torch or like pining for several years that like comes back to surface when they see each other. There's like a little hint of sick fic. Um, There's meeting the parents before you've defined a relationship. I don't know if that's like a trope trope, but it feels like one to me. And like seeing the childhood bedroom. Seeing the childhood bedroom for both of them, absolutely. Also a separate, I don't really know if this is a trope or just uh, a theme that we very much enjoy on this podcast, and a big reason also I wanted to bring it is fame—the crushing weight of fame. What parts of yourself do you get to keep? What do you give up? How do you get to still be happy when you're slow famous... down? I'm gonna rip my shirt off out of excitement.
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay, wow, what an energy to bring! But I
1: <laughs> it's just how
0: I feel about this particular theme.
1: Yeah, no, I I figured this one would be something that all of us enjoyed, uh, particularly Nick, but. I know we all have a lot of feelings and thoughts about it. And yeah, I think I kind of alluded to this, but something I really like about this fic is um, Yibo shows up to drag Jajan on this road trip for an interminable amount of time. Um, and a lot of it, like, yes, it is sort of, they're getting together and they're sort of acknowledging of we were flirty, we had a something on the set that we never really, that like Zhaozhan explicitly at the end of filming was like, we cannot pursue. But like a lot of it is him just being like, Coming to terms with how deeply unhappy he has been and, like, not really knowing how to slow the roll of, like, okay, well, I've thrown literally everything, I've thrown myself into making sure I wasn't a one-hit wonder and I don't really know how to, like, slow down and, like, find joy or, like, find myself in my life. Um, And I really liked both that that was sort of, like, a thing that he was struggling with, like, that there were other things happening in this fic that were not just about the romantic relationship, but I also really liked the progression of that throughout the fic. I like that when it started, he really had no idea what he was running from or what he was trying to untangle. And by the end of the fic, it explicitly says like two weeks on the road is not going to solve all of his problems, but it has given him a start. And I really liked that too, because I think if he had gotten back and he's like to his assistant, he's like, oh my God, his assistant who has put up with so much, God bless her. If he Mm -hmm. was like, I've done it. I know exactly how to be happy. I fit all of the pieces of my life back together. I'd be like, that's you couldn't have done that in thirty three k. We need yeah. another fifty GD, GD, more,
0: GD, baby. I don't know about
1: that. <laughs> yeah, um, but instead, it felt like it was done realistically, or like realistically for fic standards, whatever you want to say. But yeah, I just I really liked the sort of pacing of that and the way that that plot or theme developed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, his struggle is that he's like so famous,
0: and he has so many things to do, and he's so busy, and those pursuits are all related to kind of maintaining the level of fame that he has. But, like, there's also something weirdly relatable about it. I mean, I know we're famous through FitClick, but even if we weren't, like, I still feel like there is a relatable sentiment with regards to feeling like your life is a train that you can't get off of and it's just moving. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh, I put too many coals in the steam engine. This is an old train. (laughs) And now we're just flying down the tracks and there's like no way to stop it. And so I really like in this case that like Yvo shows up early on and he's like, I'm kidnapping you from your life for a little bit. Basically, my people talked to your people. It's all good. We're going on a road trip. Let's do it. And that disruption is the first step of figuring out, Okay, if the train has paused, it's sitting at a station, if you will then I have the option to get off of it. I have the option to buy a different ticket. I have the option to plan to get off at the next stop. Or like there's just it is so real to feel locked into choices you made when you were younger. And I really like the way this fic kind of portrayed and navigated that.
3: Yeah, I think like not to get too into real life stuff with like real people fiction, but I will admit that like I pretty much stopped reading uh Zhao Zhan Yibo fic post the sort of like 227 incident um, that involved fan fiction about them and AO3 and China. Um, If you don't know, you can find a lot more information online. I am probably not the best spokesperson to represent the facts of what happened, but it just like made me really sad for the people who were impacted by it and how it played out. So even though I very much hold a mentality of like, you know, when you're writing RPF, you're not saying these things should happen you're saying like what if I play in my little fantasy world with my little Barbie characters but it was definitely like jarring to see how it can impact people's lives um, and not just in a sort of like, don't Google yourself way, <laughs> um, because this was certainly not a like situation like that. Um, so it's kind of interesting to come back to these characters after such a long time away from them. I've definitely like interacted with like the characters that they play in The Untamed and stuff, but I hadn't really interacted with the RPF side and it definitely made me feel really nostalgic for the era that I was reading fic for these two and I was also just like deep in land of the untamed and like untamed fan fiction and stuff um that was just like a really exciting fandom moment for me because it had been a while since I felt very like consumed by a fandom and also like <gasps> there's so much content like there's so much behind the scenes people writing so much fic like just felt like an endless treasure trove so on the one hand it was like really exciting and nostalgic to like come back to these characters and also just like read a really solid fic for them but on the other hand there was this feeling especially with the themes of like fame and the impact that fame can have on you that i was just sort of like that little like emoji um at certain times which again is like not about gdgd baby's fic it's just about like it's interesting to see when things play out in real life how that can change your experience of reading a fic that like was anchored in a very particular moment um and sometimes it's bad sometimes it's good sometimes it's completely neutral and this wasn't necessarily like bad with a capital b or anything but there is definitely like a level of discomfort um with like xiaozhan grappling with his fame and his sexuality and his spoiler alert his decision at the end to like come out on a weibo post versus like the reality of his career and like you know the the only like the sliver that i can see of that now as a western fan who is not part of like a diaspora or anything and like can't speak like mandarin or anything um like i don't i don't I can't get on Weibo and see how fans are reacting to stuff. I really don't know. It's such a guessing game. It feels like to even know sort of what people's lives are like as celebrities right now. Um so all that was kind of like running through my head as well. In terms of realism though, like one part I did really enjoy about this fic was so you're kind of in the back of your mind thinking like how the hell did Yibo like manage to take this time off for himself but also like manage this for Zhao Shan, and I thought it was really funny, but I also like enjoyed the fact that like at some point, you realize that basically Ebo was supposed to be on this like sponsored Audi promotional video making road trip, and he was basically like, "What if I unplugged the camera and made this a vacation?" <laughs> <laughs> which felt very ebo from like the little that I know about him um So I, like, I I thought that was really funny. And I appreciated, like, the nod to kind of making this a little bit more realistic and how it would actually work for two people who are this busy to, like, actually take
0: time off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed that, too. And I also enjoyed how late into the fic we learned that because he was like, oh, maybe we should turn this camera on at some point to, like, get some footage. But he's not even worried about that. Like, there's such a focus on this being something that is good for Xiao Zhan throughout the fic that I really liked. Like, I appreciated... I don't know, it it really felt like Yibo had a strong character archetype, if you will. He was like, I'm going to show up, I'm going to be stubborn, I'm going to do this thing, it's going to be great, you're going to stop overthinking, and we're going to have a fun trip. And so it really worked in the sense that not only are we getting that side of him, but we're also getting the side that like was able to plan this out and was able to really like think things through and make sure it was going to work for the both of them with the least amount of... like pain of flinging yourself off the train as possible. I'm still on my train metaphor. He, like, showed up in a, um, what is it, like, what am I thinking? There's, like, a villain in some cartoon that rides around in, like, a flying saucer and that has, like, a claw
1: I, I don't know. Am I
0: making this up? I might
1: be. I mean, you might not be, but I, don't
0: <laughs> I just know. don't
3: know very many cartoons. Yeah. So I'm
0: not helpful. Just imagine Yibo in a little flying saucer with a claw <laughs> snatching Xiao Zhan off of the train of his life that is like a runaway train. That's the vibe.
1: I mean, also, in um, sort of in reference to the Yibo took like an Audi sponsored trip and went off the rails with it, um, and then also making this about how Yijon in this fic make me feel deeply unwell. Jean is saying to him, like, basically like, hey, thank you for taking me on this trip to help me fix my life. And he says, good problem solving. You're in a problem, Yibo says. Is it so hard to accept that people who love you want to help you? Jean says, uh, what are you even getting out of this? Send me the toll bill at least. Love isn't transactional, Zhang Yibo says, I keep trying to tell you, which like, I feel so ill. And Nick, you were saying, I don't know, like the, the archetype that Yibo is just sort of this like, steadfast, like. I don't care what my responsibilities are or what yours are. I don't care what this, like, sponsorship by Audi thing is supposed to be. Like, what do you want? What do you need? But also not, like, forcing Zsa into anything. Very much, like, letting him come to things at his own pace and at his own conclusion. And sort of underneath it all is this, like, because I love you and I care about you. And just, like, there doesn't need to be a why. You don't need to deserve it or earn it. The fact of who you are is someone that I care about and someone who I want to put this effort into, and Xiao Zhan, like, slowly accepting that for himself. <sighs> it's a lot.
0: One other thing I really liked about their relationship is I always really enjoy when characters, like, re-encounter each other later in life or have to kind of learn things about one another over again. That didn't feel completely like the, like, point or focus of this story, but there's a couple of lines throughout where Xiao Zhan is thinking, sort of in his point of view, um like oh wow like yibo really grew up in this way or he really grew up in that way which i thought was very sweet it was like very interesting to see like whereas before he had to go like walk him around and introduce him to the other castmates or whatever on presumably the untamed um now it's like he's making his own friends and there's this vibrancy and like confidence i always really enjoy fic that engages with the passage of time in the context of human development and just, like, personality development and growth. And I really liked that this fic did that in kind of more subtle ways um, throughout through those observations.
1: Yeah, and also that it, like, it wasn't, like, overly, I don't know, like, I- I'm remembering a line that was something, like, it's, like, too late for Zhao to feel, like, sad, like, or particularly melancholy about the fact that he wasn't there for ibo growing up. But, like, he's noticing it now, and it's sitting with him. I don't know, I liked the way that that played out. I also just do need to point out, because I said somewhere earlier in this episode, that I managed to find a thread of video game-isms for all of my fan works. Um, The first one, obviously, a playable game. The second one, based on a video game as it's canon. Um, And I was like, oh no, I've set myself up for failure. Yijan on a road trip. Uh, But then... I guess it's like the confession scene. I mean, they both have already like mutually expressed that they're into each other. It's just like they're on their way to meet Evo's parents after they just met JoJo's, and JoJo's like, I need to say something. And so he, he like turns to Yibo and he goes, I choose you. And Yibo goes, this isn't Pokemon. And I was like, I've done it. I've done it. Not only is it a video game reference, but it's like in the middle of it. the love confession.
0: I, I really I find this questionable i
1: am gonna take it i i want i think
3: saying that pokemon is a video game confession is well okay i think that saying a reference to pokemon is the same as a reference to a video game is sort of like we could also have said like the tie fighter is a reference to a video game because there are star wars video games like pokemon is also other media types
0: you'd also have to count the reference to like i thought you'd have spongebob sheets because that also (laughs) turned into a video
1: game (laughs) (laughs) so true (laughs) no listen the thread is tenuous but also like that scene just or like that line in particular was like really funny to me that it's like this dramatic moment where Xiao Zhan's like no I'm choosing you I'm like choosing to be happy and do this thing together and like that's the reference he or like that's the way that that confession goes I also just found very amusing and very fun
3: yeah it did make me like scream a little bit though because it like was set up to be so romantic and then (laughs) Nebo was like Pokemon (laughs) and I was like rattling rattling him
0: (laughs) to read that probably made it more romantic
3: Well, probably.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'd also I feel like it did really fit with this whole through line of like, stop overthinking everything. Mm -hmm. Like if it had been a really deep and dramatic love confession, I think that could have worked in the context of this story. But I also think it might have departed a little bit from how much of the story is like you have to just go with it. You have to just like be happy and locate lightness and like have fun and decide stuff without thinking that it's going to like end or ruin your whole life. So I appreciated that.
1: I am realizing just now I was going to make a reference to like uh, this confession happens like in the car and like Evo pulls the car over so they can like make out. And I was going to be like, just like that one uh, Sylvain Felix fake, which I forgot. I brought three fakes to the pod. One of them was like a modern AU at Christmas that's fake dating. Oh, yeah. And there's also <laughs> that one was not in space. a confession
0: in the car. I thought you were going to say it reminded you of the Richard Sykin poem. You, you are Jeff.
1: Yeah. I mean, like they are in a car with the beautiful boy. You were in a car. Yeah
0: yeah
3: yeah
1: i am happy for the vision of this fic that so much of their time was able to be spent in a car with a beautiful boy it seemed healing and good for both of them and i am happy also like i would love to road
0: trip in a fresh audi are you kidding that i'm not even like paying for it. yeah hey audi if you're listening to this episode of FitClick and you want to send <laughs> its hosts on a road trip uh you can reach us at fitclickpod at gmail.com
3: I live in a really beautiful place. Um, we could get some really good. Footage. You do live in a very scenic
1: place. So true. Thank I you. live in an out in his place. We could really we could show the the range of an Audi and its ability to handle many terrains.
3: <laughs> And Nick lives also very close to some very scenic areas. It's beautiful. Um, facts. So we could really show the range of what you can do <laughs> in an Audi. Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> Ficklets, If you know someone who can get us in contact with Audi and get a road trip sponsorship. Um, that can be your birthday gift to me. Do we want this? <laughs> Imagining like
0: FitClick vlog with Audi, and it's just like goes up on their channel, and people are like, What the <laughs> hell is this? I do want this. <laughs> okay. We're like listening to PodFic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I
3: think that'd be really cool, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can do this as a birthday gift for me. Thank you so much. Thank you so
0: much for listening to this episode of FitClick for Host Reed's birthday. Woo! Woo! Very exciting. Uh, We hope you enjoyed. Yeah. Thank you. And we are so excited to be back from our break. It's very nice to be kind of back on the grind, shaking off the rust, sandblasting off the (laughs) (laughs) rust. and getting back in action. If you want more FitClick, you can find us in a few different places. If you'd like to email us, whether you're Audi or not, you can reach us at fitclickpod at gmail.com for long-form communication. If you want to see like updates and things from us, for now, you can find us on Twitter. I feel like every time we do an episode, it's like less likely that it will survive, but we exist there for the time being at FitClick. And we have a Discord server that you can join, which is linked on our Twitter. That is a very fun multi-fandom space with a lot of very cool people who I think are nice and good. It's not just us. We have we have Ficklitz in there.
3: <laughs> if you're interested in supporting uh, FicClick financially, whether or not you are Audi, um, <laughs> you can either donate to our Ko-Fi or we do have some merch up on Redbubble if you're interested in also getting an item back when you spend money. Um, you can also leave us a review. This is free for everyone involved, um, but really helps us as a podcast uh, spread the good word of Ficklick.
0: I like the implication that we might be paying for
3: reviews. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying you don't have to pay to write a review. We're not paying you to write a review.
1: Ficklets, if you can't connect us with Audi, this could also be your birthday gift to me is um, leaving a review. Our next episode will be a regular episode coming out on August 4th. And Nick, what are you bringing?
0: My fic for next episode is called Distraction Management by AO3 user SinSense. It is a 26K work for the fandom Semantic Error, which is a TV show. And our relationship is Chu Sangwu slash Zhang Jiang.
3: Brenna? My pick for next episode is Air by Audrey Critter. Uh, This is a fic for the book series The Queen's Thief by Megan Whelan-Turner. This is a gen fic that is largely a character study of Costas.
1: Reed, what are you bringing? My pick is Her Heart is a River by Angelon. Um, It is for the fandom Six of Crows and the pairing is Kaz Inej. Alright, Ficklets, um, I'm off to make a promise to my childhood friend that we will die side by side and really carry that through with unwavering devotion. Bye! Ficklets, I'm off to the
0: Audi dealership. Bye! Ficklets,
3: I, you know, I think I hear something outside my window at the fairgrounds down the street. Something that sounds like... (laughs) Hmm, I hear it calling to me. Bye!